Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis, Book 1, Chapter 3, How Truth is to be Learned. Oh, to be one of those to whom truth communicates itself directly, not by means of symbols and words, whose meaning changes with time, but in its very nature. Our own estimate, our own way of looking at things, is always putting us in the wrong by taking the short view. And here are we, splitting hairs about all sorts of mysterious problems which do not concern us. We shall not be blamed at our judgment for having failed to solve them. Strange creatures we are. We forget the questions that really matter to us matter vitally, and concentrate of set purpose on what is mere curiosity and waste of time. So clear-sighted are we, and so blind. Why should we be concerned to divide up things into classes and families? We get away from all this tangle of guesswork when once the eternal word speaks to us. From him alone, all creation takes its origin, and therefore all creation has but one voice for us. He who is its origin is also its interpreter. Without him, nobody can understand it or form a true judgment about it. Until all things become one for you, traced to one source and seen in one act of vision, You cannot find anchorage for the heart or rest calmly in God. O God, you are the truth. Unite me to yourself by an act of unfailing love. I am so tired of reading about this and that, being lectured to about this and that, when all that I want, all that I long for, is to be found in you. If only they would hold their tongues, these learned folk. If only the whole of creation would be silent in your presence. And you, you alone, speak to me. Once a man is integrated, once his inner life becomes simplified, all of a piece, he begins to attain a richer and deeper knowledge, quite effortlessly, because the intellectual light he receives comes from above. Freedom of heart is his, and simplicity of intention, and fixity of resolve. And he finds that he is no longer distracted by a variety of occupations. He acts now only for God's glory, and does his best to get rid of all self-seeking. There is no worse enemy to your freedom and your peace of mind than the undisciplined affections of your own heart. Really good and holy people plan out beforehand in their minds how they are to behave in given circumstances. The course of their lives does not sweep them away 
into following their lower instincts. They shape it for themselves according to the dictates of right reason. To be sure, the conquest of self demands the hardest struggle of all. But this has got to be our real business in life, the conquest of self. No day passed without beating our own record, without gaining fresh ground. We find no absolute perfection in this world. Always there is a background of imperfection behind our achievement. And so it is that our guesses at the truth can never be more than light obscured by shadow. The humble man's knowledge of himself is a surer way to God than any deep researches into truth. No reason why we should quarrel with learning or with any straightforward pursuit of knowledge. It's all good as far as it goes and part of God's plan. But always, what we should prize most is a clear conscience and holiness of life. How is it that there are so many people who put knowledge first instead of conduct? It means that they are constantly at fault and achieve little, sometimes next to nothing. If only these people would take so much trouble to weed out their imperfections and to cultivate good qualities as they take over the learned theses they propound, we should hear less about sins and scandals less about lax behavior in religious houses. After all, when the day of judgment comes, we shall be examined about what we have done, not about what we have read. Whether we have lived conscientiously, not whether we have turned fine phrases. Where are they now, doctor this and professor that? whom you used to hear so much about when they were alive and at the height of their reputation. They have handed over their chairs to other men who probably never waste a thought on them. While they lived, they counted for something. Now, they are never mentioned. So soon it passes, our earthly renown. Well for them, if they had practiced what they taught, then indeed they would have studied to good purpose. How often the worldly pursuit of useless knowledge brings men to ruin by distracting their attention from God's service. They must play the great man. They will not be content with a humble part and it only leads to frustration. True greatness can only be reckoned in terms of charity. The really great man is one who doesn't think much of himself and doesn't think much of rank or precedence either. The only clear-sighted man is one who treats all earthly achievements as dirt because he wants to win Christ. The only educated man is one who has learned to abandon his own will 
and to do God's will instead. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, apostle of Rome, counselor of popes, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. To win Christ. To win Christ. That's what Thomas Akempis says is the goal of our life. The truly wise person aims at that. And notice how he begins tonight's chapter. He begins by speaking of a gift that God the Word makes of himself to us. He speaks about an awareness of the Word. What is the relationship between that Word and Christ. Well, Christ is the Word. Christ is the Word made flesh. Christ as God is called the Word or the Son. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, St. John writes. In other words, God the Father eternally spoke a word that is his son in which he expressed in that one word everything he could express about himself, in which he spoke everything that could ever be spoken. And that word is the truth because the truth is the conformity of our speech and reality. When we speak the truth, we speak what is our mind. Our words conform, match, line up with what we are thinking. And so God the Son, eternally, is the perfect truth because everything that God the Father is, God the Son is also his word. God the Son completely perfectly expresses, is the image, is the reflection of God the Father. And because there is this other in God, the Son, so through him, through that word, his Son, God created other things, finite things, created things, as a reflection of his Son. Why? Because God the Father loves his Son and he wanted to give his son a bride, a world, a gift. And so the world is made through the son in reference to the son. And so everything that exists only finds its true meaning in relation to the word of God, the son of God. But because the world rebelled, and because God the Son wanted to raise us up to a new level of adoption as children of God, 
he came among us as a man, Christ Jesus our Lord. And every good gift we have of grace comes to us from him. From his fullness we have all received, John says, grace upon grace. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth have come to us through Jesus Christ. And so it is Christ Jesus, the true God and true man, who unites in himself heaven and earth, that unifies everything. And if we find him, we find life and love and truth. In him is the fullness of wisdom. We find God himself in Jesus Christ. And everything becomes unified. Everything becomes simplified. When we understand that everything in the universe came forth through the word and returns to the word. By the fact the word became man. I count everything as loss, St. Paul says, to know Christ Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And so tonight, Thomas Akimbus is exhorting us. Do not think that anything else matters eternally except loving Jesus Christ. Now, if Jesus Christ wants us to study, if Jesus Christ wants you to make something beautiful for God, if Jesus Christ wants you to write books or to learn or to study, great. Because then we're doing God's will. What Thomas Akimbus doesn't want us to do is to try to set apart a part of our life that has no connection to Jesus. So what, what must we do tonight? Well, let us humble ourselves before the Holy Spirit. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, love of the Father and the Son, and put in our hearts a true desire for Jesus Christ. Put into our hearts, Holy Spirit, a humble distrust of self, a humble zeal to resist our fallen natures, to resist ourselves when we try to set ourselves up apart from Jesus, to live our lives apart from Jesus, no more. What will it cost, Holy Spirit, to give us a little bit more love for Jesus this Lent? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.